The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 60. So today, I have a question for you. Is God a man or a woman? Right? We are told that we're made in His image and likeness, and yet, clearly, men and women are not exactly the same. And uh, have you ever wondered, is God a man or a woman, or is He both, or how does this work? We often reference Him as a, as a male, Yet, at the same time, we know that there are elements of God that are more female in nature, and lots of good questions around that. This episode is kind of a teaser episode towards the Typologies class that we'll be launching uh, in the first quarter of 2020, where we will be talking about how the Bible is deeper on levels than you just see on the surface, and if there's ever any an example where typologies and imagery of the Bible is meant for something deeper, it would be around male and female. So let's get started and let's have some fun. So I'm curious if you've ever asked that question, is God a man or a woman? Uh, I feel like it's one of those questions that a lot of people take for granted. We kind of have all of these thoughts around God that he's obviously a man. Even I'm, I keep referencing God as he, and it's clearly in our culture. It's in the it's in the Bible. Uh, most often God's uh, names are masculine in how they're written. And yet at the same time, if you stop and think about it, which maybe you haven't, maybe you have, but clearly if we're made in his image and likeness and... There are not just men in this world. Maybe there's something to that question. <laughs> so today I'm going to try my best to kind of show you what I've seen over the years. And I start to, I've taken it for granted now for probably 10 years that when I look at uh, men and women or I look at male and female and its relationship uh, spiritually throughout the Bible and just in normal life, I kind of take for granted this this perspective that I'm going to share with you today, that God is both male and female. And there's a way, if anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. And so first and foremost, right out of the gate, it has nothing to do with boobs and penises. I'm just telling you, it has nothing to do with genitalia. Uh, If you go back to Genesis and you go to Genesis chapter 1, where God makes man on the sixth day. It says, this is Genesis 126. It says, Then God said, Let us make a man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, over, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This is Genesis 127. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created. When you read these scriptures and you kind of just kind of like, okay, so God created man and then he created the birds and he created the This is, there, there's never more, in my opinion, in any passage in scripture, there's, it's never more important to slow down and read every single word 
than it is when you're reading the story of Genesis. There's multiple scriptures throughout the Bible that talk about if you want to know the end of the matter, go to the beginning. If you want to know what the future is, study the past because it is cyclical. Life and time and existence is cyclical. It goes in a circle and we are going back to elements of what was written in these in this Genesis story. Genesis simply meaning the beginning. Um, so back in the beginning, if you want to know where the end, quote unquote, the end is going to be, just go back to the beginning. It's like a ring. It's a circle that we started there and we're going back there. Now I would add one element that it's not just a flat circle. It's actually a spiral that is going up. So we're going back to the beginning, but we're going back at a higher level of consciousness, a higher level of vibration, that humanity uh, started at this lower level and we're going all the way around. And if you understand the ages, you will understand that we are going in a circular clock-like motion around the ages. And over 24,000 years, we will become an entirely new creation, an entirely new species, if you will, in existence. I believe humanity will transcend the physical form only, and we will put on immortality much like Jesus did, or much like Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, and so on and so forth. So I believe humanity is headed towards a higher vibration of consciousness, and that if you want to know where we're going to, just go back to the beginning of this particular level, which is in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. Well, Genesis 1 through 5, actually, um, that you go back and you study this story and realize that there are elements in that story that through types and shadows, through allegory and analogy, they tell us the truth of where we came from and where we're going back to. And if you kind of just listen to most people, this idea of like, oh, can't we just go back to the Garden of Eden? Can't we go back to when we were innocent and free and we didn't have all of the sin bondage? I mean, that... Yeah, we're going back there. Now, again, we're going at a higher level, so I don't view the initial creation in Genesis 1 and 2 as the pinnacle of our existence, and then we fell. So the whole idea of the fall, I don't. I only reference it because I, everyone knows what that means. I don't actually believe that we fell. Right there, I don't believe that there's any any truth to the to the idea that we were once perfect and then we screwed it all up. I believe that we were children, we were babies, and we putting on intelligence and growing and maturing, much like a child does, that you go through a phases where you realize that you have your own capacity and you can choose right and wrong. And you can't and that as babies we are maturing into adults so that we can be at the time appointed of the Father. Uh, that is as it says in the scriptures, that we would then be made uh, heirs of the kingdom, that we're not just innocent babies anymore, because innocence and ignorance are not the same thing, right? You can be innocent like a child, but you can also be ignorant. How useful is a baby, even though they're innocent, how useful is the babe is a baby in running a household business? And in the case of God, the household business is the universe. So God wanted to duplicate himself, not in ignorant innocence, but he wanted to mature innocence. So you have to grow up. So instead of thinking that we were once perfect and these mature, amazing adults, view I view the original story back in Genesis 1 and 2 as if we, when humanity was an infant. we Yes, we were innocent. By all means, we should be innocent again. But innocent 
with maturity, innocent with understanding, innocent with wisdom and growth, not just these innocent babies that can't do anything. So we are headed back to the garden in a higher vibration, in a higher way. But again, if you want to know the end of the matter, go back to the beginning and see what happened. Therefore, reading every single word inside the, the story of Genesis, to me, is highly uh, it's it's non-negotiable. You it and you'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, split apart some of these verses to make my point today. That will help kind of uh, point you towards a, a bigger picture, a picture, a bigger perspective of how to view the scriptures and to understand the imagery of the scriptures. Um, before I go much further, I should probably explain what types and shadows means or typology means. Um, typology is, it comes from the King James in Hebrews where it talks about how the temple was a type and a shadow of the real temple of Jesus and the real temple of you. And it simply means an allegory or a picture, an, an analogy, so that the temple was an allegory or an analogy of you. If you go back to Hebrews I would I would add that a typology is different from an allegory, an allegory or an analogy, in that the typology is historically accurate, but it carried uh, deeper information. So I do believe that the nation of Israel existed, that they had a temple, that they had rules, they had laws, but that their entire existence up until the time of Christ was typological in nature, even even to 70 AD, that, that Israel was a typology. So it was historically true, but it also was an, an analogy and an allegory along the way. Now, I technically tend to believe that Genesis, um, all the way up into the point of Abraham, is mostly allegory in that, you know, that there was a singular Adam and a singular Eve. Well, inside the text, there is things that question that. For instance, when Cain kills Abel and he has a sign put on him, uh, God, you know, Cain says, if I, if you send me out there, they will kill me. Well, who's they? So I don't believe Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to Abraham. I don't believe that they tell the full story of humanity's history. I believe up until Abraham, we're looking at lore and analogy and allegory that means something dif- different. And it's still divine. It's still given to us by the Holy Spirit. But that the typologies technically start when you get to Abraham. That's a little bit of a, again, this is kind of a teaser episode towards a typology class that will be launching soon. If anyone who wants to take that class, by the way, uh, I'll be putting some links up and starting some communication on the Facebook group. But if you are on the Facebook group and you only listen to the podcast, send me an email at austin at newagechristianity.org. Again, it's austin, A-U-S-T-I-N, at newagechristianity.org. And I will make sure you're on the list of people to get an invitation to the class once I um, get closer to knowing when it will start. It'll be a Typology 101 class where you'll learn a lot of the stuff that I just said and way, way more. Um, To be honest, uh, I view the entire Bible through a typological lens and therefore it it's i already have enough material to do all the way up to like a 101 201 301 and a 401 class to take it could take a whole year's worth of uh classes every week to get through typologically viewing the scriptures and interpreting the scriptures together anyway i digress a bit and uh i just want to get into this particular story about how 
Adam and Eve were created. So it says, let us create man in our image according to our likeness. Now remember, every word. So the detail here that I want to draw out, it is God's intention. God's intent is image and likeness. Okay. So then if you keep reading in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. So if you'll notice, likeness is missing. So God sets out, let me you know, back up a minute. God sets out and says, I'm going to create man in my image and in my likeness or according to my likeness. And then the next verse, God creates man in his image. Okay. So put that aside and realize that one likeness doesn't happen yet. Um, a little hint, and I'm not going to get here in this episode, but if you want to go study it, the next time you, you see the word likeness, it says now man has become like one of us is in Genesis 3.22. Uh, that's a little nugget. Go check it out. Or you can go listen to the uh, episode, episode number 12, where I talk about the two creations and becoming like God. Um, so episode number 12, becoming like God, that's a whole other thing. So, but now, right now we're talking about the image. So the image of God, a according to this passage, is male and female. So right out of the gate, there's your answer. Is God a man or a woman? No, God is male and female. Okay? And if you dig down into the Hebrew here, it's very important to notice, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, and him is Adam. Adam simply means human or mankind. Male and female. Now, the NASB, which I read, a New American Standard Bible, uh, that version actually says, male and female, he created them. And it pluralizes the creation by using the word them. That word does not exist in the actual Hebrew. It's added by the interpreters. And it's better read, God created Adam, or human mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created Adam, male and female. Right? doesn't say them. It just says he created humankind, male and female. And that's it. Now, what's really interesting is you, again, go listen to episode number 12, where I talk about the two creations. You understand that this is simply the first creation, which in which God speaks everything into existence. Okay. And then you get to Genesis 2, 1. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God created and made. Okay, again, every word, created and made. Go study that. So there's a difference between creating and making. Interesting. So then you get to Genesis 2, 4 right, which is the next verse, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heavens. So let me just drill down and fast forward for you. If you were doing your own study and you dug down into these words and you studied it and studied it and studied it, what you would realize is, is that creation took seven days, right? In the heavens and the earth, that when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So if you notice, it flip-flops there. So the heavens and the earth were created, the earth and the heavens were made, right? 
Now no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had been yet been sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Right? Okay, so let's back up for a second. So God creates all of these things in, in seven days, and on that seventh day, he rests from the fact that he's created and made the earth and the heavens. So the earth and the heavens, which I would say is the stars and the sky and everything like that, they're already made by the time this seventh day comes around. But interestingly enough, we still have not yet made the plants of the field, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, the shrubs of the ground, and, and mankind has not yet been made. Mankind has been created. All of these things have been created, but only the earth and the heavens have been made by the time you get to this part of the story. God still has to make the animals, the trees, and men. Okay, does this make sense? I hope it does. It's a rhetorical question because I'm recording this and you guys can't nod your heads back. I, when I teach a lot, I, I often stop and I ask, okay, does this make sense? Because it's hard to move on if it doesn't. So God created everything in seventh days. And on the seventh day in his rest, the earth and the heavens were made. Right? But he then moves on to the making of everything else. The earth and the heavens are already there. So that's why in the second part of creation, he doesn't remake the planets and the stars and everything like that. He only, re, he only revisits, he slash, he moves from creation to making. And by the way, in the creative process in the individual, if you've ever worked on the law of attraction, which the series that we're going to start next week on the law of attraction, uh, we will distinguish the difference between creating and making. That you create in your mind and you make with your actions. That you create in your spirit and you make with your soul. Some of this will make a little bit more sense even at the end of this episode. So God creates and then he makes. This is the account, accounting of the two different stories and the accounting of the different uh, elements of the stories. So male and female, Adam has been created and male and female. But he has not yet been made. So, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Yes, go study all this. I'm not going to give you every single answer. Just dig down. It is beautiful to study the scriptures in this way. But if you go back and you realize, okay, so Adam's been created, but he hasn't been made yet. And it says, uh, let me look, verse Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So now, instead of speaking things into existence, God is actually forming, right? He's, he's forming clay. The earth is already there, but he's forming clay out of the earth so that Adam can breathe and have a body. Now, it's interesting that this verse doesn't say anything about image or likeness. Why? Because God doesn't have a body. So our body is neither in his image nor in his likeness. God is unseen. God is an unseen substance, and our bodies are very seen. Now, if you go listen to the 12th episode of the podcast, you'll see that I believe this is evidence that our bodies are an extension of who God is, that we are actually God 2.0, that God does not have a physical presence if it's not in the form of us. So that our bodies are not the thing that make us unlike God. They're actually the thing that make us God in the flesh, that we are individual expressions of the divine mind, the divine creator, and that our bodies are the prize. They are the point, and they are a beautiful thing not to be shunned, 
But the point is in this in this podcast that it is not the image and likeness of God. Our body is is extra, if you will. It is it is an extension. It's it's God 2.0. It's a part of God that did not exist until it was made. So if our image and likeness is like God and it's not about our body, it must be about something else. It must be about something unseen. Right? It must be about a substance that we have that is not the body. So if God is male and female, right, the image of God is two in one, right? So in the image of God, Genesis chapter one, the image of God, he created Adam, male and female. This is interesting to me that when Adam is formed, for lack of a better way to say it, Adam is also formed as two in one. But here's the thing. In a realm of time and space, having male and female in one individual form does not work, right? Because you cannot have two energies occupying the same space in matter. You can have two energies occupying the same space in spirit because they don't have time and space to separate them. So for instance, you can love somebody and still be really, really pissed at them at the same time. Right. So someone would say, Oh, you can't love and hate the same person. Oh, yeah. Just ask anybody who's ever loved somebody and been very, very angry, very, very hurt, whatever. You can absolutely hold two opposing energies in the same space about anything, including having two energies in time outside of time and space in the spirit realm. You can have two energies in the same place that are not, that are quote unquote opposite forces, the yin and the yang, if you will, light and dark. In the physical realm, you can't do that because time and space creates boundary. So you can see here that Adam has both male and female in him, but in this physical form, it needs to be, it needs to be split apart in a duality that is a singularity. This is the mystery of marriage. This is why at Eve, it says that Adam was, there was no suitable helper because it was inside of him. So God pulls Eve, pulls the female out of Adam, and it says, for this reason, they shall come to each other and cling, and the two shall become one flesh. That singularity of the Godhead that is was in Adam as an individual now is found in Adam and Eve as a couple, right? That when they come together, isn't it interesting that when a man and a woman make love, that that is when we actually exemplify the creative capacity to re- to duplicate ourselves as divine beings. Like God, if 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 the definition of being like God is the ability to create divinity, it is no wonder that when men and women, when a man and a woman make love, that they create a divinely intelligent being known as a baby, right? So that in that oneness, there is the duplication of that we can actually see through allegory, through typology, that our creative capacity is actually found in our ability to be one with the opposite energy. Okay. Now this, I am so not trying to do an episode on, you know, homosexuality or, you know, (laughs) <laughs> marriage versus not marriage. I'm not trying to do an episode on twin flames or anything like that. This is not about trying to quantify 
the right and wrong ways to have sex or the right and wrong ways to have a relationship. This is just an (laughs) allegory. This is allegorically talking about the value of that in the realm of matter, the oneness that is the two in one reality inside of God and inside of each of us in the physical realm has to take a dual form that in that duality, we become one. Now, there is a lot of implications about marriage, a lot of implications about how life might work. And uh, those were probably more suited for individual discussion or classes. I don't know if I'll ever get into those on the podcast, unless it's maybe in some sort of just kind of discussionary format. But nonetheless, the element that is I want to draw out here is that Eve comes out of Adam as a mystery, as an expression of the fullness of God in two individual forms, because in the world of matter, two energies cannot occupy the same space in the world of matter. Does that make sense? You cannot have your right hand and their left hand occupy the same space in the world of matter. Energetically, you can, right? Energetically, you can overlap your hands and you can you know, imagine them in the same space. I mean, you can do a lot of things in other realms, but in the world of matter, time and space require separations. Again, this is why there is no God of the physical realm that is all things in all places and everywhere, because in the physical realm that would, that, that you, you can't have a tree and a rock if they're all things in all places at the same time. You just end up having a big giant universe-sized block of matter that would that then you could say that was god because it was all matter and everything so in the physical realm matter to have a god it has to take a different form hence divinely intelligent beings i.e us humans we are the divine expression of god in the world of matter i can say that till i'm blue in the face i think every time i repeat it another person might get it (laughs) so if you get it i'm sorry but it is absolutely a beautiful truth of humanity i believe so Eve it was in Adam, and a, a suitable helper was not found. So out of Adam came Eve, and then together the two would become one. And now you have essentially the mystery of the concept of yin and yang, the concept of light and dark, the concept of I am and I am not, the concept of the two becoming one, and that the creative capacity within the realm of matter actually requires this oneness. And this is where I get uh, additional pieces of the male and female truth, the male and female perspective. But I want to then kind of, so inside of this reality that, that there is this marriage concept, that this is where creative, cost, uh, the creative capacity of humanity is, is locked up in that two and oneness, there's an element that still it leaves is unanswered. And that is, okay, so which one is which? Is is God a man or a woman? Right? Because, and I'm going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23 here, where it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved, complete, and perfect, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul here, he's talking to people, and he's and this is his salutation. It's the only place in Scripture that has all three parts of you referenced at the same time, so that you have a spirit and a soul and a body. I just spent the last ten minutes talking about 
the body and it is how it is an expression and how it might work as an expression of God's male and femaleness. But did you notice that you have a spirit and a soul? Did you know you have both? Right? For years, I was kind of taught in, uh, let's just, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, it, it was assumed amongst myself and amongst everybody that I believed with that uh, yeah, spirit and soul are the same thing. As a matter of fact, I did a teaching on this uh, six or seven years ago at a church in uh, Traverse City, Michigan, where I talked about the male and female soul and spirit, uh, the very epi- the very essence of this episode today. And uh, one of the people in the audience raised their hand and said, well, spirit and soul are the same thing. And I referenced this First Thessalonians passage, and this lady, like, fought me publicly um, that I was teaching false doctrines and that I was trying to overcomplicate things. And she valued the simplicity of the idea that the spirit and the soul were the same thing. Tomato, tomato, it's really no different. But I'm telling you people, the spirit and the soul are not the same thing. What I would propose to you is the fact that you have both a spirit and a soul Both of those are unseen substances. They are spiritual substances by nature. And that is where I believe you find the full image of God as God originally created Adam, mankind, in Genesis chapter 1. 126, I believe, to be specific. That the image and like the image of God, the male and female components of God, is not about boobs and penises. It's about your soul and your spirit, that you have both inside of you, and it has nothing to do with your body. And then the question would be, would you know, has to be asked? Well, if I have a soul and a spirit, and you're saying that that's the male and female, Austin, which one is which? And I would argue that the spirit is the male, and that the soul is the female. That the spirit is akin to the intellect and the divine creative component of uh, imagination where, so what is the, what is the, let me ask you, what is the, um, the markers of spirit substance? The spirit has a few characteristics. One is it is outside of time and space. And then you have all of the omnis. So it's omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, right? So let me ask you, in your mind, can you put yourself anywhere in the universe? Mentally, you can imagine yourself on Mars. You can imagine yourself on a planet with blue aliens. You can imagine yourself at the core of the center of the earth. You can imagine yourself in another dimension, right? So you are, in your mind, you are omnipresent. There's nowhere you cannot go. And same with omniscient. Can you imagine yourself creating a planet? Can you imagine yourself creating a new country? Can you imagine yourself creating the world's greatest piece of music or art or whatever? Yes, you can. So you're also omnipotent. You're all powerful in your imagination. And then lastly, is there, was it omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient? So can you imagine yourself knowing anything you would ever want? Can you imagine yourself being the smartest person? And this is the best part of this one is we have the Holy Spirit, which has access to all knowledge. So literally there is nothing that, you know, if you set your mind to knowing anything, you are also also capable of being all-knowing, all-knowing. Again, this is in your mind. Again, this is, this is the very substance of spirit. So I believe that the mind is the substance, your ability to touch the fact that you have a spirit is not as hard as you think. 
You don't have to close your eyes and you know grunt and squint and, all right, I'm being spiritual now. No, all you have to do is think. It's easy. It's the substance of who you are. You have a mind. Your mind is the substance of spirit. Thought or consciousness, and this is not a new idea, consciousness is God, right? Consciousness is spirit, and you have it, right? And where does that stuff come from? Where do your imaginatory thoughts come from? What is the, you know, if you close your eyes and you say to yourself, my name is Austin, or whatever your name is, ask yourself, who's listening? And do it again, close your eyes and say, my name is Austin, and then ask yourself, who's the one talking? Close your eyes again and ask yourself, who's the one observing this conversation? And last but not least, close your eyes and say it again and ask yourself, who's the one observing the observer? Right? Because there's an essence at the base of all of this that is your consciousness and that there are layers upon layers of your consciousness and we just think the whole thing is your I amness. No, the reality is, is that you are a multifaceted conscious being that is divine in nature and capable of doing there's nothing that is impossible for you that is the very essence of what it means to be god so the unseen part of you that is your spirit is what i would say the male energy the male component of god and then the other unseen part of you being your female that the female even if you go typologically and look at how men and women work it is the man that sows the seed and it is the female that receives the seed it is the man that has the it's the man's seed that chooses what the sex of the baby will be and is the female that actually nurtures that child into existence. So if the spirit is where you have these ideas and you make these choices, I mean that it is the soul that actually brings those things into fruition. So if you set your mind towards visualizing yourself standing on the moon, what is it that's actually going to make that a physical reality? It is your soul. It is, the, it is the work of your soul to bring spirit thoughts into physical form, right? Hence, you have the female that is through whom all things are birthed. It is Eve through which all living things came into being, all living humans came into being, other divine beings. So that Adam is the originator of the thought, but Eve is the creator of that thought. Now, your soul has an element, and we'll go into this in the Law of Attraction series, that is essentially, I'm going to boil it down to, that the spirit is thought and the soul is emotion or intuition. That is, the energy that you vibrate at is the essence of your soul. And it is the vibratory energy of your soul that creates your reality. So you can think that you're wealthy all you want, but if you do not feel wealthy, you will never be wealthy. So that your mind is, sows the seed of wealth into your soul, into your emotions, and it is your emotions that must then nurture that seed until it comes into maturity and fruition. So imagine again like a baby. So the idea, and if you listen to my episode, I believe it was maybe five or six weeks ago on the the secret of gratitude and how gratitude is the thing that unlocks your creative capacity. It is being thankful for being pregnant. It is being thankful for the fact that a seed has been sown and now you wait for it to come to fruition. So it is that energy of the soul that is excited for what is coming, that is excited for the thing that it is nurturing and birthing into reality. And so that your spirit and your soul are the very essence of the male and female of God, that they carry the components 
of the male and the female, and then it is typologically seen through men and women in, in their physical form, in our bodies. It is typologically seen in boobs and penises, but it is spiritually, it's the spiritual reality in the spirit and the soul. And that is the way in which we are all made in the image and likeness of God. It does not matter what your physical form looks like. We all have both. We all have God within us, and we all have the creative capacity within us. It is only when it's limited to the physical form in which you need both, and you don't have the full capacity to have a baby by yourself, right? You have the full capacity to create life by yourself, to create uh, the world, the life that you desire, but when it comes to physical reproduction and physical manifestation, you do need a partner. And meditate on those things. Meditate on the how it is that you are male and female, that you are God uh, by yourself. And then also meditate uh, how this plays out into the physical realm. And the fact that in the physical realm, we are not, maybe we're not exactly the fullness of God just by ourselves physically. That we are capable of creating our life and that this reality on the spiritual plane is extremely beautiful and extremely powerful. But I think there's a oneness to humanity that uh, we're going to learn in this coming age that will kind of change how how we see everything when it comes to re- interpersonal relationships. And the God that is in you being as as being an extension of the the one God, but also being a requirement, essentially, for me to have relationship with if I'm going to fully manifest the God that is in me. Um, so I hope this episode has been enlightening. I hope it's been, you know, not everyone here in this community is a Bible thumper, uh, but nonetheless, the fact that we are all made in the image and likeness of God and that we have male and female inside of us, um, I think is one of those truths that, again, I've taken for granted for years, that whenever I read scriptures about how women should be silent in church or any of that, that doesn't even count some of the errors and how things were translated, whatever. It doesn't bother me. It hasn't bothered me how the reality of our soul being still that, you know, it's interesting. This is you know one of the coolest ways to see the typology of this is in uh, the Ten Commandments when it says, thou shalt not covet another person's wife. But apparently it's okay to covet another person's husband. That's kind of weird, right? Well, no, if you go to the typological level of not coveting another person's soul, you'll realize that many, many teachers covet your soul. Many teachers want you, they want you to be their follower. They they want you to receive their teachings and they want to sow their seed into your soul, right? And so for me, it has been something that I have uh, honored and understood for years that the seed that I sow as a teacher, I can only sow, I sow it into your mind and it, it is your mind and it is your interpersonal relationship with yourself that if I can, if I can, speak to your mind, and then it makes sense to you, then you become your own teacher, that I would never want you to listen to anything I say simply because I said it. For that is the is the very typological essence of coveting after your soul, of committing adultery with your female. And I don't want to do that. I want to speak to you man to man, if you will, and then let your husband, your spirit, Take the things that it has learned and sow it into your soul yourself. And I think those of you who have sat under my teaching, quote unquote, sat under my teaching, air quotes there, uh, for any length of time, I hope you have seen that I am uninterested in convincing you to believe me. 
that I am more interested in in having a logical conversation because God, Jesus is logic and spirituality makes sense. And so I'm, I am interested in having an intelligent conversation about things so that if you believe it to be true, you become your own teacher. You become your own, your soul's own husband. And the child that you bring forward, this new energy, this new belief that you create in your life does, cannot be taken from you by some other wise sounding teacher unless you are convinced by them as well that you you would never have anything taken from you just because Austin said so, but that it is something you were convinced of and something you became, you believed of your own free will. And that is one of the many, many, many applications of understanding things typologically through scripture and understanding the analogy that is life and everything is pointing to a deeper spiritual truth. And it is something that I hope you feel for me as I teach um, the respect of your male and female, the respect of the fact that you have a marriage relationship between your soul and your spirit that I would never want to interfere with. And again, that's just one small example of so many ways in which to apply the typological lenses that uh, will be shared in the typology classes. So we're going to do a typology 101, which will be a basic introduction to typology as a concept, and then the major typologies throughout scripture uh, we will go over. And then in a 201 or a 301 or a 401 class, we will get more and more detailed into the uh, detailed expressions of the typologies. But that is for another day to, to uh, elaborate upon. Uh, thank you guys for your time as always. Happy New Year. And um, next week we should be starting the uh, Unpacking the Secret series. So if you have not uh, read the book or watched the movie, I encourage you to do so. Uh, I will be going off of the movie primarily. Um, it's well done, and it's. In, I'm going to go through and kind of break down unpacking the secret. I'm going to follow how they've attempted to talk about it, and we're going to dig down in more detail. And then um, I'm going to be launching a personal coaching and some tools available to those of you who want to create the life of, that you desire. I'll be touching on them in the podcast, but there are tools beyond the secret. So if you wanted to, the goal of this podcast series coming up is that if you wanted to change your life, you could listen to this podcast series, podcast series and do just that. You would change your life and it might take anywhere from three to 10 years to completely change everything if you were on your own device, left to your own devices. Depends on how much you want to change. Um, there are tools available. This is something I've dedicated my life to and I have discovered tools available um, that can help you change your life at a much more rapid pace. And I have uh, can pass on that. My desire is to pass on that knowledge through uh, personal spiritual mentoring or, or spiritual coaching, if you will. So those, uh, those opportunities are going to be coming out in tandem with this series that we'll be doing. Um, and then after that series, we will then roll into Typology 101 class. And as I have expressed a few times, my desire is for 2020 to look very different um, as far as newagechristianity.org uh, and all of the projects that we're doing. Hopefully we'll have an event or two this year and my, many more good things to come. So thank you guys for your time. As always, if you would consider donating, I would highly appreciate it. Thank you for those of you who do donate on a regular basis. I would love to shout from the rooftops who you guys are, but you know who you are. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you have not given, just ask the Spirit if you should. And I appreciate those who ask. Uh, share these podcasts with your friends and family. Share the website. And uh, let's continue to grow this community. I'll be doing a lot more interviews in 2020, hopefully, as well. There are more and more people 
that I'm coming in connection with that believe these things and teach these things. And uh, my desire has never been to be the only voice. So uh, hopefully you'll start hearing from other people. And we're going to have a good 2020. Have a good time together. God bless you guys. And I'll see you on the next episode.